Welcome to BuoyCast, your education lifeline. I'm Kate, your biggest fangirl and edgy cheerleader. And I'm Jen, your sideline biz coach that will push you to reach new heights. And together, we are Buoy. <laughs> Join us as we navigate the interesting, the unique, and the extraordinary stories of real-life risk takers and change agents of learning. We'll offer insightful strategies for educators, sidekickers, and entrepreneurs when it comes to figuring out how to live your best professional life. Do not tackle your problems on your own, and don't wait to see what's next. Cast your line and take a risk. We're right there to guide you through it. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. This is Jen. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Well, I'm. I have to. You do. It's required. (laughs) It's required. We have a guest. It's not just us. It's not just us. And we're excited (laughs) to have a guest. And Alana, we are going to just dive in, but we want to introduce you because we would be remiss if we didn't do that. Right. So, Miss Alana Leone. (laughs) We're so glad. Tell us who you are. All right. Um, so I am Ilana, um, last name Leone, and you can just put those two words together and find me on Twitter. So that's <laughs> like 10 characters. Um, so I spend a majority of my time trying to help teachers, trying to help businesses that are trying to reach teachers, education administrators, and parents. Um, my career kind of started in K-12 education when I went to Edutopia, the George Lucas Educational Foundation. Which is where I met, where we connected and yeah. our little love story happened. Yes. We met a, a lot of times and you even yeah. came to the ranch and had lunch. And- I know. So fun. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I, I was cute that one year and then something happened and I couldn't go. Oh, we got to see like the, the, the really fun collections of stuff. Oh. I have vivid memories of things. That was such so sweet. Like, okay. You guys can do that nerds. podcast when I'm not here. And that could be like a little, like, yeah, cause generally like star Wars. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I guess for the listener's benefit, we're talking about Skywalker Ranch. Um, so that, that is where Edutopia was headquartered. And I had a, a, the privilege of being able to invite educators that I met. And sometimes they'd come from around the world. I would give them tours of the facility, um, really just in a way to thank you, but to get to know people on a deeper mm-hmm. level. I mm-hmm. can't count how many long lunches I had with people. And I just feel so privileged to be able to create these relationships with educators and move forward with the knowledge I have. So I was there for eight years and was able to run all the social media, the marketing, build up a community, and then decided I should probably make my life more challenging, which seems silly because it was very challenging. (laughs) You little masochist, you. (laughs) I was like, how can I make my life harder? So I decided to go to and get my MBA. Um, I went to Cal, go Bears, and then decided Mm -hmm. if now, now was the time to do something bold. Um, And if I didn't do it now, I'm not going to do it ever again. So Mm. I opened up my own shop and did it in tandem with school. So I kind of had this crazy couple. To be like, if it fails, you can just say you were in school. <laughs> right? We have to come up with an excuse. Kate. I, know. I love that idea. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. 
It just looks like you were a student and you were getting right? your MBA. So that's great. But um, the MBA was 19 months. So it was an accelerated program. After the 19 months, I had to figure out, do I want to continue or do I want to go full time in a role, maybe an education startup or something? And I just really loved what I built so far. And it was small at the time, but I got to work with really amazing people. I connected with big brands in education and got to really help them. And it, I was strengthened as a marketer as well because hmm. I loved working at Edutopia. I think it's the, it will probably be the best job I will ever have in my life. Hmm. But I was just talking to one audience generally. Mm, right. Say, well, you don't really know how to talk to education administrators, do you? Or you don't really know how to talk to parents as much because you were just talking to teachers. And that wasn't really true for Edutopia. Right. But, but that's what people really thought. And the majority of the audience is still K 12 educators. Right. Right. So I said, you know, I think I can do more. And I was able to show that I could. So that was a really great bonus for me and decided to, let me turn off my notifications. How, <laughs> how not professional of me. Oh, it's okay. It's a pandemic. No, I mean, I, my daughter walked in once just naked <laughs> when I was doing a training and I was like, there it is. Okay. She's five. Good. She's five, by the way. So it, yeah, just a, that caveat. Thankfully, it wasn't one of my daughters who were in their 20s. <laughs> <laughs> what a journey oh my gosh and and I think I guess what's really intriguing listening to you kind of recap it all again um well one that you that you had this this know-how and this confidence to just take take this risk and maybe you didn't feel like confidence at the time but I can't I mean, I guess retrospectively, you could look back and be like, well, yeah, I kind of did. Like, I kind of did believe in what I wanted to do and knew that this was the time and here it is. And I had a, a backup plan, which lets everybody stand a little taller, at least, you know, the blame of school or whatever you want to call it. But I, it's the, that narrative is really intriguing. And we talked to a lot of educators and I know your background doesn't come from education, but you're, you're in that space. And I think a lot of people wonder what if, like what, when would it be the right time to reimagine a different journey? Um, so I don't know, I guess I'm curious. I mean, I know we have a list of things we want to talk about, but I would love to just kind of know, like, how did you know at year eight that you wanted to leave the best job you ever had? <laughs> right? Like, what is that? <laughs> uh, I think we all know when it's kind of time to go. Okay. Um, and I really wanted to do something in tandem with going to school. Uh, like the best thing for me is I don't learn. I know a majority of people don't, but it feels like some people have gotten good at the way school teaches people like, mm. you know, bubble tests, you know, and lecture sage on the stage, big textbooks, read quiz. I don't do well at any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so what the way I learn is maybe I take my accounting class and then I apply that accounting to something I'm building right now. That's the only way I learn. Got it. Um, and so I not only applied it to what I was doing with the consultancy at the time I had, now it's, now it's a little bit more of a bigger agency, Right. but I joined every startup team I could uh -huh. during, during the MBA program. Cause I just wanted to apply that knowledge and say, okay, if we are learning about competitive analysis and marketing or whatever it may be, let's do it for real live things because yeah. it's never as like buttoned up as it is in school where like the book says, do this and this and this. And it's like, it's uh -huh. so much harder in real life. It's so ambiguous and hard and sticky. And like, yeah. so 
that's how I just kind of knew I wanted to be able to find a way to just apply it. That's brilliant. Well, and I want to say too, Kate, I, I think when we, we look at how we might take a risk in our career, I think it's that courage, but it's not the absence of fear because no. we've all, all three of us have talked through, you know, being that risk taker and, and having fear that it might fail, but also saying, what if it doesn't? What if it's successful? What if what if what mm -hmm. we're doing is really impactful? What if we can change um, lives? What if we can, you know, really make a difference? And so I think, Alana, you you've had a mission. The the people and the organizations you work for and with have always been mission driven organizations, from what I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I've stayed in K-12 education. Now we have a couple of clients in higher ed and some in workforce development, but education is where my heart is. Mm -hmm. When I was able to jump into a consultancy, I just, people were coming to me and said, hey, can we work together now finally? And I said, yes. Oh, how fun. <laughs> oh, I love so that. All the people I had a pleasure of working with, like um, parallel organizations we might have yeah. done events with or... That's how I got all of my clients in the beginning. Wow. A wow. Way to help them. Like my first client was the teaching channel. Oh. And, and yes. that was uh, Paul O. I don't know if you guys know him, but he was one of the Ed Camp, um, Ed Camp Marin yeah. with us for a while. Uh -huh. Ed Camp SFA. And just a really nice guy, also really involved in NaNoWriMo and things like that. Uh huh. Uh -huh. So he was running teaching channel for their marketing and brought me on board. That's so crazy. And, oh, and it makes so much sense. I mean, that's, I, I would say too, like looking back to our journey, our first clients were obviously people that knew us and trusted us. And I didn't, we didn't get that same kind of like, yes, now is the time you may work with me. But I know that I like to tell people, you know, I just, it's kind of like we're doing the same thing that we were doing at me for me, I'm doing the same thing that I did before. It's just as a free agent, you know? And so you just have this ability to, to construct a reality that before was handed to you sometimes. I will say I do get calls and emails and DMs from educators trying to figure out when is that time? Cause I think mm -hmm. you're alluding to that Kate around, yeah. just, you know, I'm in the classroom, but maybe you don't feel, feel like you're making as big of a difference as you like, or maybe right. you want a different vantage point how do they transition over into startups and what are those types of roles? I've always wanted to do like a blog post series around that because from my side, I hire educators or right. hire educators that have that kind of magic combination of, of that plus either social media, that plus email marketing, that mm -hmm. plus right. community. The unicorns, those are hard to find. They're hard, you can train them, um, huh? which I've been for a lot of people too, but um, I think it, it's interesting to see what, when you think about an educator coming out of the classroom, mm -hmm. what are the corporate roles that are most well-suited for them? Mm. And I mean, not to derail this podcast, but I would say off, no, the, take it. <laughs> off the bat, the number one roles they are great at without even training, because this is what they do for passion and for a living is that they're connectors. Mm. You know, they build community. Mm -hmm. So you'll see a lot of educators sometimes when they come out of the classroom, they become community managers. They become like oh, outreaching organizers, things like that. That makes a lot of sense. And we maybe sometimes that goes into sales where they're trying to recruit teachers for certain like areas and things like that. Yeah. And I've seen project management too for some of yeah. uh, educators just really great at, 
you know, managing not so much in like the engineering side, but project management for events, uh, even for internal, some internal operations. But there, there are a lot of skills that cross over. And yeah, there, there, there is some training, but um, I've recruited a lot of teachers for organizations that I've worked for. And, you know, there, there's also this, this little special piece of the willingness to learn a new skill. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, if that's there, I think the, the sky's the limit in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think also um, subject matter experts. So a lot of corporations okay. are hiring specifically for that. So like mm -hmm. say you're launching a product, and it's all about social studies in ninth grade or whatever, um, that they need somebody on the ground to really make sure it's aligning to lessons. Yeah. Right? They might actually craft curriculum with it, um, but really they're the ones, is the gut check, is this relevant? Would a teacher like me want that? So mm -hmm. I see a lot of those roles as well. We call them SMEs, so subject matter. Yes, SMEs. Oh yeah, SMEs. Are those full-time positions though for people or is that more like contract? depends on the organization. I would say that majority of them are contract, yeah. um, which isn't ideal, I know, for an educator. I trust. know, but it's like, I, it's, it's so interesting because just the other day I was talking to a friend of mine and we were having this conversation and she was like, but what about health insurance? What about this? And I'm like, well, you buy health insurance. That's what you do. That's what, and what? You know, it's just like, yeah. nobody tells you that that's an option and yeah. nobody, and, and I learned so much just because Jen brought to our table such such depth and confidence when it comes to like running the books and tax write-offs and stuff like that. Um, but those are big holes for educators, like stuff we've never had to worry or think about. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> and then you yeah. go, oh, okay, you just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I would say the only other full-time role I've seen is around, um, I don't know if they call them ambassadors, but we have a client that we just signed. And they have three full-time roles that are educators that kind of do some community yeah. lots of events, lots of um, webinars, uh -huh. and they run blog posts. So they kind of really hold the, the, the curriculum side of it, even mm -hmm. if it's not like fancy curriculum, it could be just blog posts, it could be just content. The content, yeah. That's like Flipgrid, that's what Flipgrid does. That's what Ann yeah. does at Flipgrid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've seen those as some full-time positions, but mm -hmm. yeah, but I mean, we can probably go off a little bit more, but I do feel like I was always hiring for educators to be that hybrid of a marketer with the educator mm. background. Um, sometimes that doesn't work because educators yeah. think, you know, they're so steeped in pedagogy and like, they're so like in the actual content more so that sometimes they can't get out of that hat and think like, mm. and I don't want to say think like a marketer because I think that has a bad connotation in my view. <laughs> <laughs> marketer, you feel like you're praying. I just like think like a human being, like another human being of, how would that person like to be talked mm -hmm. to and what are right. the keywords they'd look for and how do I build a relationship with them? That's a very good point. Sometimes it's hard to transition educators who are in it into something on the different other side. I love um, that. Well, and I think even this is a good transition point to talk about just communication in general, because that's something you're, you're just an expert at and how even whether it be an educator, a school district, or a company, how, how do we communicate uh, clearly, transparently? Uh, what are the channels that are best for doing so? And uh, what are some of the barriers that you know folks are finding out there? I know, I know you know them well, so I'd love to connect <laughs> that dialogue a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't even know where to start with that question. <laughs> I, I kind of hit a lot there. Yeah, there's like five parts to that question. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will say that, um, the juiciest one, Alana. Yeah, tell us. It's tell incredibly us. hard right now to make through, like to make through all this noise, especially yes. right now we have the election, we have our pandemic. We've got, you know, lots of social justice issues bubbling yep. up still. There are serious things happening. We've got natural disasters. Mm -hmm. So we've got all these things. And then if I'm an administrator, I'm thinking school safety, school yes. safety. How do I support my teachers if I'm a good administrator? <laughs> um, and then the teachers are just in triage mode. Mm -hmm. And then parents are in triage mode too, right? They're just mm -hmm. like, okay, I've got something that halfway works right now. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. Let me work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's an incredibly hard time to figure out how do I reach people, but how do I reach them authentically? And that's what I try to teach people is, and when I say authentically, it doesn't mean you have to like hold their hand and do like things that are, you know, not traditional what marketers do, but what you should be doing is how do I create a relationship based on value? Mm -hmm. And how do I- I want to know more about that. Unpack yeah. what that means. That's huge. It's, if I'm a software provider, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, and I have a Twitter account, I'm not going to just tweet out all every single feature of my, of my product all the time. And I'm going to be like, Hey, I'm awesome. Hey, I'm awesome. Download me free trial, which is what we see. That's pretty common, right? It's pretty common. I think some brands have been getting hip to what we call curation, where you get to curate external resources that are hopefully are on brand for you. So if you're a project-based learning brand, you're hopefully finding other great articles and resources and project-based learning and tweeting those out. As and that's well. what you're sharing instead. Oh, as well, not as instead. well, right. Yeah. So, to enrich the channel. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're elevating other voices that are important mm -hmm. that your mm -hmm. audience respects and hopefully you respect. But <laughs> yeah, that's huge. Beyond that, you need to be elevating the topics and what you care about, right? Mm -hmm. So if you care about substitute teachers, you should be not only elevating substitute teacher voices or administrators talking about how they're gonna help the substitute teachers, you should be a thought leader. And I don't wanna say that term too much because I feel like it's overused, uh -huh. like storyteller. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, what is that? <laughs> you know, it's like the people that have chief storyteller in their- in Yes. Their, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and I think thought leader has been overused, but the essence of it hasn't changed. What we right. want to do is contribute to the dialogue in a way that's productive, in a way that, you know, someone reads it and goes, wow, I never thought of that. Mm. Wow, they're at a unique vantage point that they get to see lots of educators and they get to contribute value to the space. And that's the experience, that's the reaction you want to elicit by elevating other voices. That's your point? That's true. Um, so when I elevate other voices, it's, it's a brand saying, I'm not the only voice. Mm -hmm. Legitimizes me. it, huh? And it's, and it's not about my product. It's about the why and why I started the yes. company. And the why and why I started the company is because I was passionate about a certain couple of issues that were aligned with my brand, right? So if I am a wow. brand, like I worked with a brand around school scheduling, mm -hmm. you know, they were actually passionate about equity when they started. Hmm. The because well, it is not an equitable process in, in any way, shape or form school scheduling. So right. th those are the things where you kind of have to dive deep and say, well, why did we start the company? What are the key topics that mm. are really directly aligned with us? And then we want to elevate that through curation of elevating educator and education administrator voices, 
but we also want to talk about it. You know, how can mm -hmm. we create, you know, do webinars? How can we do Facebook lives, Twitter lives, whatever it may be, blog about it, do podcasts. Let's, I have knowledge. I've got mm -hmm. unique knowledge with my own vantage point too. And passion and I care. And then we care, right? It's like that emotional side of it too. Yeah. Yeah. People want to connect to humans, but yeah. when you create value on a consistent basis, it doesn't really, I hate to say this, but it doesn't matter much about your product because you're building mm. trust with the audience. Mm. And if you are that good and you're providing that great of advice and value to me on a consistent level, I'm going to trust that your product's that good. Yes. I'm going to give you a try more so than I, if I would, if someone just like sent me a cold call email or totally, who do you think does that really well right now in, in the market? Um, in education of building, uh -huh. there are a lot of companies that do it well. I hate to single people out because then if I single them out, they're like, oh, you didn't read, you know, you didn't uh, yeah, yeah, but no, that's it. I mean, I would say that it's become more of a norm for companies to have a blog schedule. Yeah. But I would push back on people to really think just because you're blogging doesn't mean you're, you're, you're doing the right kind of blogging. Yeah. And you're talking to your specific audience. So I always try to get people away from quantity and go to quality and think strategically hmm. about who are you talking to? Because you can't talk to everyone. Because if you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. Right. Right. So being strategic about who exactly are you talking to and in what medium does your audience want to hear you? So mm -hmm. I, I like to bring people back to content strategy mm -hmm. but there are a lot of brands doing great blogs. And even now in the pandemic, you see people up in their game in webinars, Yes. even virtual events, which, you know, some are good, some are great, some are not so great. Crying. I was going to say to not be in that space though, is it stands out. Even it, it, I almost think it's better to hold an event and show that you're in it and attempting and putting good information out there than it is to shy away from it altogether. But that kind of leads me to another question, which is this idea you mentioned, like going live on Facebook, going live on Instagram, like what's your take on live social marketing and like, I know I'm so apprehensive because I'm always like, man, I just look like I worked out. I can't get on screen. <laughs> <laughs> like, wearing sweats again. But I have to get over it. And I know that. Um, you mean the time when we were driving, that wasn't good? No, not exactly. <laughs> I think that at the end of the day, people want to connect with people. Right. Um, ideally, you're providing value that like I, I go off of those live and go, wow, I, I thought about something different or there was mm. some insights. Mm -hmm. uh, or it inspired me. So I want to, I want you to always think about when you do lives is what are the things I think that can provide value to the conversation? Cause there, it. it should be very much like us, just informal yeah. connecting to people as human beings, but I want it to be not a waste of people's time. Still, yeah. still contributing to that narrative. Like you mentioned. Yes. You got, it. got it. Got it. And so well, I was just going to say, as, as just to put in the back of people's minds as we're talking, there are so many organizations that I know that shy away from all of this. And those tend to be schools and districts. They uh, often will not have this type of strategy for content communication. And I think it would be so helpful to have it for parents and students. And it's an interesting thought as we, as we go along in this conversation, but I just wanted to put that out there. I think schools and conversations entirely a different beast, unfortunately. Just yeah, yeah. So many rules. 
and there's also norms that mm. even if there wasn't a rule there's this and you guys all know this from being in the education space but it's like here's me as an educator i'm going to you know especially education administrators i'm going to wear a suit i'm going to be very official i'm going to talk with talking points and it's i, I think it, some of it's liability you know yep. things like that but yep. more communication is better than just filtering because you're worried too. So mm -hmm. I know I've never been a school administrator, so I don't know all the legalities and things they face, but I do know that as educators, people don't like to blend personal plus professional very often. Totally. But I, so this reminds me of there's, there's two influencers in the space, and at least in my network that I, I think they're doing a stand-up job of modeling just how to blend with grace. And I think Joe Sanfilippo, um, is doing a fantastic job being a site administrator and just his go crickets initiative Great. and just the way he walks and talks on, on his snow days and his walks to he, Jen, he lives walking distance from his school where he's a principal. So he just talks into his phone. Um, but he's hacking school leadership, the whole hacking ed stuff. And then John Ike has stepped into that space too, a good friend of mine. And he gets on his skateboard and he just kind of talks and skates. That's and it's so cool, you know, and I just go, God, that's, that's, I yeah. love it. It is, it's a tricky space, but I mean, it's happening out there, but to your point, it's got, it, it, the, there's risk involved. There right. is risk, but there is benefit in the sense of some of these things that we're talking about. And I just want to make sure we're, we're, we're saying there's mm -hmm. some things you can choose where mm -hmm. you're elevating other voices around, you know, some of the issues and sharing out great articles and. Yeah. And it doesn't have to happen overnight. I feel like sometimes if you think about live, it's like everything's live and this, like yeah. think strategically about like, maybe you're doing uh a conference or you're doing an assembly and you take the first five minutes or after the last five minutes to get people together and just say hey we had some extra questions and we just want to talk about them you know informally on the live right now and if anyone has awesome. live, we can do that because you you know any time a webinar sometimes you have too many questions and i always tell people why don't you go live on Facebook or live on Twitter or you can go live on LinkedIn right now, even if you yeah. get data. So you, it doesn't have to be all the time. It could be very strategic and just like little doses of it, and then you'll get used to it. Um, so I try to get people to kind of sandwich it. If you're doing an event, how can you maybe add a little bit of a live component? Love that. Because that has structure, a Q&A, you know? Yes. And and totally, it's it's the lack of structure that makes it very uncomfortable because then you just go, well, why and who and how? And that's such good advice. That's a golden nugget. I'm writing it down. I know. <laughs> I, I, I think that is a wonderful. Um, uh, I would say that. you can do the same thing as a ed tech company too. So a lot of times mm -hmm. you do webinars and afterwards you can do Q&A before and after. Um, sometimes you can have an additional panelist come on for another live and say, hey, we we couldn't fit her in, but she's really awesome. And she does this. So I wanted to bring her and mindset in. So there's a lot you can do with lives that are somewhat structured. Um, we actually have a client that does lives simultaneously on four different platforms. Holy smokes. So they use a streaming service, Yeah. but they do LinkedIn live. They do Twitter live. They do Facebook live. Huh. And I feel like I'm missing Periscope. One. Well, Periscope is kind of like the same almost. Oh, they do YouTube. Mm. Um, uh, Periscope's kind of the same, which is weird, uh, like Twitter Live. Yeah. 
it's not, but it really well, because it's like connected in through your Twitter, your viewing yeah. Periscope. Yeah. Yeah. But they are a little more polished because they end up turning, turning those into a podcast, mm. but uh, that's it great. doesn't have to be polished too. Um, but, yeah. but I do want people to think about it like always audience first. What yep. are the challenges that they are having right now? What is their mindset and how can I create not only valuable content, but timely content? Okay. So, okay. I know, I know we want to talk about other things, but yes. And Alana, what you just said. So if I know that I'm targeting educators or if I know that I'm targeting a company, whatever, if I know my target audience and Mm -hmm. I know their pain points, how do you address pain points without getting weighed down and kind of murky in that space? Cause I've, I've had that experience where like, I mean, just yesterday I was doing a conference um, or I was presenting at a conference in North Carolina and we were talking about why it's tricky to flip your classroom. And, you know, here are the pain points. I mentioned three little pain points. And then I'm like, okay, now how do I honor that? But then not interview for pain or not hang out in that space too long. Do you have any nugget in that space? Like you're kind of in a bonfire and you're throwing all the negative thoughts in and it becomes like, because it's a really hard time now, I think it's. there is a benefit of talking about your problems and just throwing them out there. And hopefully you can just like, okay, I've said the piece, you know, so I know follow it up and throw it. Like you're saying, yeah, like anytime we had a negative comment at Edutopia on their Facebook page or something, we'd be like, that must've felt good for that. (laughs) I love it. You know, cause it's like throwing it out there. Yeah. But what you don't want to do is like sit in it. Right. You said, because then they think they can't do it because they're like exactly well you know who does this so well I think is lululemon okay if you've ever gone onto their customer feedback they'll they'll say some somebody will say well I bought those those leggings and they they had an issue lululemon says I'm so sorry about that Kate we will message you via email and get back to you with a solution right away hmm and I'm just like, and then I've heard from girlfriends where there might've been an issue. They get a new pair of leggings just by turning it. That just sounds like great customer service. That's no, awesome. but, it, but it is like, there's this complaint out yeah. in socials and they, they're like, they're not going to leave it there to be mm-hmm. hashed out. They do it privately, but it's like everybody reads and sees their response mm-hmm. and sees they're going to deal with it. And I'm like, that is so cool. I think if you could take it to another level would be like Lululemon saw that one of their, like, the bigger thing is that women are self-conscious about wearing leggings out to get, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Like, if they hit that on the head and say, gosh, you know, we really know that we've heard this a lot. We want to dive into it. Oh, but, interesting. Yeah. You know, like, kind of proactively yeah. talking about it, but then not sticking in it so much, Kate, that you can kind of go, I want to acknowledge it because in your head, the person's going to go, oh, like we also had a client that did um, video coaching. Mm-hmm. So in the head of the educator, they're like, oh, I can't be on video. Oh, my administrator is going to use that to, you know, have that gotcha moment and like, mm-hmm. me. so if you can say, hey, by the way, this is a hundred percent for your professional development and everyone doesn't like the way they look on screen. And, and get ahead of it. Do, like get, get ahead of it, but pause uh-huh. you know, and then take a, that, just enough time to be able because it's it's combating the stuff in their head yeah and say great like even with that thing I had um I don't know if you know Sarah Thomas she's yeah yeah oh yeah so I had Sarah Thomas write a blog post for this company about 
how to get used to the educator in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, just to be like, hey, listen. And she shared her story about how she had in the beginning didn't, I mean, no one really loved the way they look. And especially in these days, we're like not putting all this time into makeup. I, well, in these days, we're like beyond it. It's like, I, you, you're like, Jen, what happened to your hair? I'm like, oh, I brushed it today. <laughs> I've given up. It's just, <laughs> even my husband will say to me sometimes, wow, you look so nice. I'm like, I'm not wearing sweats. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so like I was like to answer that question, Kate, is like to just specifically have it head on, but know that yeah. all of these challenges are changing all the time in this crazy environment, right? Uh, yeah. So it's not just one thing. And so it's really important to say, okay, not check it off the box and say, here are my pain points of my customers. Right? Okay. So you created this wonderful new um, marketing planner for 2021. With all of this in mind, what did you think about as you were trying to put this together and how people might use that as they're planning ahead? The changing environment, you know, making- Pain points, changing constantly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything will change all the time, but there's certain things that you can count on that you can plan around. Like we know when Teacher Appreciation Week is. Totally. Conferences are literally moving around like crazy right now in this COVID world. So maybe we don't count on that, but we do know that ISTE is going to have a conference at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to think about what are the things we do know um, and how appropriate is that for my brand to align with it, right? So if I think about like planning for next quarter and I'm a coding company, um, maybe there's a famous coder's birthday that mm-hmm. I can, like that doesn't change. They still Mm-hmm. So like, what are the, the finite things that you can really look at? I will say for a nuance of the marketers listening, they'll be like, well, they don't change, but the media landscape and the, and the people, things around it, they may not pay attention to it as much. That's true. But you can, you can be agile enough to really think about that. I think that regardless of people are talking about the election, if you're saying something positive with value to your audience, it's, it may not get as seen as much because there's this whole cloud, but it's still a positive way to align yourself with something that gives value. And remind people that you're there, right? Yeah. And I think the three things I always talk about is like value. And you heard me say that. I feel like this is the drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> like value, 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 but timely. Yeah. And then yeah. it's going to be consistent, you know? So social media and communications, it's not one campaign. No. And that's your schedule, right? That's, that's the thing you have to have in a sense. And so if we get brands come to us and say, we're doing a big campaign, let's do a big social push. I don't even like that word push with social. Mm -hmm. We got to do this. And it's really talking out to people. It becomes a glorified RSS and you haven't been consistently providing value. So people don't trust you and they don't listen to you. Yep. So it's the consistency that matters. Okay. Then where do you start though? Because oftentimes initiatives or campaigns will be the drivers to boost people's confidence because they have content, they have an event to come up, they have a reason to be out on the socials and then the event happens or the launch occurs and blah. That's thinking yeah. about yourself first and foremost. It's okay. Not, it's not thinking about your audience. That's right? true. That's and true. It's not, it's not contributing in a positive way that doesn't have things to do with your product. Right. So that's why yeah. we talk about a blog strategy of yeah. consistently create content. And if you don't like writing <clears throat> podcasts like this, right. Or you yeah. could 
do quick live events or you could do quick webinars, but you got to do like those little quotables or something using Adobe Spark or something. Do, yeah. You do images, whatever yeah, it may be, totally. you to figure out what your strategy is to develop yeah. consistent content out to your audience and your audience will tell you if they value it or not. Right. So that's when you look at stats and really look at what performs and what doesn't. And are you yeah. talking People. It just, you know, it takes so much time to see the ROI on that. And I think that's the hardest part is to convince smaller companies or even education teams of that reality that like, you know, to be consistent takes time to build trust takes time. And you're not, you might not see the registrations in a week or two, you know, but uh, I think it's like the equivalent of like, you go to a cocktail party and not only are you just talking about yourself, but you're like asking people for money when you first meet them. Yes. Like you haven't even asked them how they are, you right. haven't, you know, and how so, can, yeah, that's a very good point. It's, I mean, when brands come to us, we say that we will build trust. We will teach you how to talk to people authentically with value, but it's going to take at least six months yes. to get the production process in place, to get mm -hmm. the consistency out, to really understand your audience. And mm -hmm. you know, more often than not, their audience are people that actually shouldn't be their audience. Hmm. To build audiences that are more appropriate to their target. Oh, interesting. And that's what a very good point because they're wow. fixated on numbers versus the right audience. And I see that a lot. And we don't even focus on vanity metrics. And when, it, when we talk about vanity metrics, it's like followers. It's those yeah. things that feel like so 2010 decade mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. like followers you have and people were paying for followers. Totally. Stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not about how big your audience is. It's how, how many of your audience you're actually reaching and, and more importantly, how much are them, are you actually engaging? I was going to say how many like click, how many engage with you or. Yeah, and I don't even care. Huh. Like, I would say this all the time at Edutopia too. I don't care if a majority of our audience on Twitter or Facebook don't come to Edutopia. Sure. They interacted. They have brand awareness about Edutopia. They, they've had a positive interaction that they would never have otherwise. Mm. And it's expanding your audience size. So I think if we think about the role of social media and all channels, it doesn't have to be this hub and spoke where you have all, like their number one goal is to drive traffic. Right. What if their goal is to just engage and provide value? Totally. Build trust. Mm -hmm. And I, I know when you talk about ROI, I get that a lot. Okay, yeah, there are ways to track all of this. Okay, well, and that's our next podcast because I need. To <laughs> Maybe that's my next coffee. We're just coffee, with Alana. Because I wouldn't be in business otherwise, right? Because people are like, it doesn't, I, you know, it doesn't help. Um, well, and and I think I think all of these are are so many different pieces that we could break out even further. But more importantly, right now is how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you do, because what you do is you're the best out there. So we really want to make sure people can find you. I mean, I would say that my team is the, some of the best people I've ever met in social media marketing and online community building, but it's not just me. And there's, there's a lot of cool people doing things out there in education. Um, I think first and foremost, I just want to respect that this is a horrible time for so many people. This is, devastating for public education. Like I was just on a call with a friend and he's up in DC as a lobbyist and he was talking about this may break public education. That we really need to treat each other kindly, but try to figure out how we can work together. And we don't 
we're not just another email in the inbox trying to annoy people in this really difficult time. Yeah. I can't imagine being an administrator right now. Oh no. my gosh. It's, oh it's, I know. and we all know teachers and what they're going through every day. Oh, it's uh, my daughter's a fourth grade teacher and it's a mess. It's it, a mess. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So what I want for people to do is cut through the noise, but to do it in a way that it actually helps people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't contribute to all the pain going on. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a hard thing to do, but if you follow your why as a company and you mm-hmm. lead with value and then you use resources where you can kind of just get ahead of it a little bit more. So you're not just dear, um, deer in the headlights kind of thing where you're like, oh my God, I, I need something content right now. If you plan out, um, so the planner I created, it, it's free. You can go to our website. We'll, we'll put a link to the planner in the show notes. Yeah. But I also walk you through a process. So it's not overwhelming because I always got overwhelmed with it. Like there's so many things we could do, mm-hmm. but, but how do I align it to the capacity I have internally with yeah. my team? And then if I'm lucky, my budget, right? So right. How do we do that. And I kind of throw you a four step process, but in a nutshell, I just look at Maybe I have a micro campaign where, I, where maybe I just put like an image out on Twitter. Maybe in my medium campaign is I do a live event, I do a webinar and I do a blog post, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe my big one is like, I do paid ads, I do a media mm-hmm. push or whatever it may be, but you figure out what your level of effort is for these types of campaigns. And then you go through this calendar that I created with all these birthdays. Um, mm-hmm. We also give you content planning ideas. So like, mm-hmm what's more appropriate for an educator in March, for example. Um, That's gold. Wow. You can go through that and say, okay, now I know what my capacity and limits are. Let me pick the best ones. Like maybe Mm -hmm. I can do four big campaigns. Like I would actually just recommend you do one big campaign a quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, And everyone's in Q3 should be teacher appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um, And you should get ahead of it at least six months. I don't care if it's ending, still, still, still plan for it. Right. (laughs) Start now. (laughs) But if you kind of go through it methodically and say, okay, I've got, I've got a certain amount of capacity and limitations. Let me pick some things and let me backtrack. And then more importantly, let me learn from them. That's Mm -hmm. what people kind of get out of it is let's plan on things we know in this crazy uncertain world. Yeah. That's so great. Oh, we so appreciate that. I just, I know we have to wrap, but I just, I'm so grateful for this time. I feel like I'm leaving with more questions than I came with, but But that's good. That's a good thing. thing. (laughs) But you've always been such a generous spirit and just willing to, willing to tell it how it is. And I think that that authenticity in your voice is what makes you so good at what you do, but also makes it really easy to trust you. Um, So thank you for just that, you know, and for being the connector that you are and really appreciate the time. I'm grateful for you too as well. Yeah. Thank you, Alana. And we get to hang out with you, I think, later in the week. Uh, I think on Friday, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will include all these resources in the show notes as as well as any other little nuggets we can find in the space. But um until next time, we will we never remember our tagline anymore. We're just going to buoy people up. We're That's all we're saying. Up. We're going to buoy you up. <laughs> all right, everybody. With buoy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to BuoyCast. For show notes, bios, and contact information, visit us at buoyconsultants.com. 
slash BuoyCast. You can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, the future is foggy. So hang on to your buoys. Yeah, boy! <laughs>